Welcome to the E6 Podcast. The E6 Podcast is a place for candid conversations from Colonial Church, where we will dive deeper into what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, and how it all applies to our lives as Christ followers. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is the E6 Podcast. My name is Brooke James. I'm one of the pastors at Colonial, and uh, here we are for episode 21. 21. 21. Oof. I don't know why. I mean, I know it's not 337, but it just sounds like we've got our feet under us a little bit. <laughs> this is 21. 337. We have a little ways to go. Yeah. We have a, a whole year. I'm not counting on there. us getting there, but... Well, you know. 21. We'll see. We'll see. I like it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. Hey, That's, I'm Tanner. Hey, Tanner. You didn't say Lauren. your name, Lauren. Do we always have to? My name is Lauren Jones. I'm one of the pastors. <laughs> we don't have to go there, but you know. <laughs> Thank you for reading your script that I wrote you. I yes. That. So. Here we go. Stick to the cards. Six there. words. Yeah. Sagittarius. Well, I, don't, I don't know what else we're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. Oh, that's funny. Oh, this is episode 21. Episode we have 21. Done this before. It's good stuff. Uh, hey, before we go, before we go too far, uh-huh. Brooke. Um, yeah. Can you can you catch up some people? Maybe um, you guys have had a kind of a crazy last. Well, to say a couple of weeks is not really true. Uh, it's <laughs> actually been a lot longer than that. But it has. It's fine. there's some new information that kind of developed over the weekend. Would you could you share? Um, yeah. So it's it's Sunday, and we are recording on uh, right after the service. We normally record on Monday morning, mm-hmm. and so we changed that up this week because we have some stuff going on. So a um, couple of months ago, my wife ended up with COVID, and um, she uh, throughout that process, we ended up at the ER, and uh, they ran a scan to check for blood clots and that kind of thing, and they found some uh, some lumps on her thyroid. And uh, so after a process, we ended up going through uh, thyroid surgery and removing a thyroid, and then three weeks later, which was just this week, finding out that one of the lumps was cancerous. So um, we are still in the process of of uh, processing, I guess, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, trying to figure out what does what does that mean and what is that what's the next steps those kinds of things and so we have some sort of a plan and of course we have to wait on on uh, on on health insurance to get with the program and <laughs> yeah. and do things where we would rather be like oh you just said that great let's go see this person right, right now. now like I don't want to wait let's go now uh-huh. but it's like well we'll we'll see when they can get you in and if we're gonna cover it and all that kind of fun stuff so. Um, so we, we found out this week that, uh, that one of the lumps was cancerous on the thyroid. So now we got a process to, um, verify that nothing has moved or spread and, and we want to, uh, make sure we're clear and all that kind yeah. of fun stuff. By the way, it was my wife. I said, I said we, I think the whole time, but, um, Kara Kay Kara has, Kay. has been the one going through this. So, uh, uh, yeah, so she doesn't have a voice right now because the surgery, um, one of the lumps, one of the the masses that was growing there was like wrapped around her vocal cord uh, nerve that like helps mm. it work. So, uh, so she's been whispering for three weeks now since the surgery, and so we have a process tomorrow. We have an operation tomorrow to try to um, strengthen that vocal cord up a little bit and see if we can get her voice back as we try again. to try to yeah. fight through the rest of the stuff. So, wow, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, just before we move on, I just wanted to pray over yeah. over you and over Care K and kids and just all that. That involves. Is that cool? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Father, just um we, we come to you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that um that uh you you journey with us in every aspect of life. And so right now we just pray over uh Kara Kay and we pray over just um just the information that was given to them and um Lord we pray that it's not spread anywhere, it's not moved anywhere. We pray for just a clean bill of health with those things. We pray even in the uncertainty of all that, that Kara Kay's mind would just rest on you, Lord, that she um, she's not built up with anxiety and, uh, and worry and all those things. Um, pray for Brooke as he just tries to be um, just the partner in life for her, um, the, the caring, loving husband, and, and doing all the things that he can to support her in this. Um, Lord, I just pray you're working in that situation. I pray that as they discuss with their kids, that their kids could have, you know, the understanding that that they that they need to have, and um, that there's a peace and stillness about that as well. Uh, Lord, we just trust you. Um, we we give this situation to you. We trust you, Lord. Um, have your way. Uh, we pray for healing. Obviously, um, however you need to do that, Lord, we pray that that happens. Pray that the 
insurance and stuff kind of works out the way it needs to as quickly as possible uh, that the specialist that she needs to go see and, and, and get some more information happens relatively soon. We also pray just, um, just on a, a, a selfish note that um, tomorrow um, as she goes in for this procedure, um, Lord, that you just restore her voice, that her kids get to hear her voice again and um, that she gets to say I love you even to her husband uh, with her voice sounding like her. I pray that you just strengthen all that as well, Lord. Just be in this situation and um, and we just give it to you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Sorry you guys are going through that. Um, just keep, we'll keep you in your, in our prayers, man, and uh, keep us updated as we know you will. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I know we were joking a little bit earlier uh, as friends, uh, you are the least <laughs> uh, feeler uh, in the group by far. By far Tanner yeah. and I have a, just, we're just way down the, the track. Somewhere. I just have to kind of try to balance it out a little yes. bit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you do good. But, but in all seriousness, uh, I, just, I just know from our friendship over the last three years that you're going to be the one that is carrying a lot of the stress and weight for your family and probably not telling us and other people that care about you. And so, I don't know, just a, I guess I'm thinking out loud here, just a, I want to be aware of that and without trying to pry, but be available to you. We've all got friends who are really readily, <laughs> you know, open about the things they're going through. And we've got other <laughs> friends that um, you find out way later, they just went through the ringer, you know, mm, and you yeah. had no idea. Yeah. And you fall into that ladder group for mm. sure. We're just going to try to be your friends as well. I appreciate best it. we can, bro. I, I share information all the time. Very selectively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, it's been, uh, it's been interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it's the sucky part of life, right? Yeah. Um, it sucks that, that we have these kinds of things that, that we go through. And, uh, so we have to try to figure that out. Mm. We've had some we've had some blessings already of just different people that we've been able to talk to and you know doctor that we get to ask questions to and say okay wait hang on I didn't ask this last time like well I thought about this since then and um, you know talking to people that that have gone through literally this specifically or yeah. just through other you know types of cancers and how that affect their family and and that kind of thing so um, so this it's been it's been good it's been. You know, just to just to see God working with the the community around us already, and uh, mm. so it's been good, awesome, good. But we got a ways to go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, hard well, transition, hard transition <laughs> to funny light things. No, uh, yeah. So um, I was I was thinking today as we were recording, or as we were as we were going through the service this morning. Um, one of the things that we have not done is we haven't on at least on the podcast in our in our you know, wealth of 20 episodes back there. Um, we haven't talked about, like, the recentering time that we do on Sundays oh, uh, yeah, yeah. at all. And so I thought, you know what? I don't have anything, like, like crazy interesting to let's talk about this fun, random thing. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Tanner, I would love to hear from you. You you are the one that does it the most, the more more often than, than, than others. Um, what is, what's the point of the recentering? Maybe the point of doing it all the time, even kind yeah. of maybe where you were coming from today with, you, yeah. you know, doing a little different with the scriptures involved and that kind of thing. And talk to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, recentering point blank, it's a time for us to engage in a different type of worship. That's not typically, that's not typically, um, done. Uh, so we, churches all over the country are, passing an offering bucket and a plate and all these different types of things. And that is, that's not necessarily to pad the pocket of the church. What that really is is an act of worship as a collective body of people giving to what God's doing. Um, but um, we've kind of taken a, a step and a kind of a look that there's a, there's a missing element to our service um, that calls our attention upward a little more Um that reminds ourselves this recentering kind of language come comes from a place of like reminding ourselves, realigning ourselves a little bit with with God's preferred picture for us, and so it's a chance that not not only worship through music but to worship through giving uh, through the ways that we give to the church. Um, it's a time for us to worship uh, in in just thanking God. Like I think we spend a lot of time asking God and. Mm-hmm. 
um, declaring things about God, but I, we, we so often don't spend time thanking him. And so point blank, part of our, part of our, uh, we've done this a couple of times. I did it a little bit different today, but we, you know, we just very simply are thinking about five things we're grateful for. Um, and they could be little things. It could be small things like your favorite drink. Um, it could be, you know, it could be a really big thing like a debt paid off or, um, or, or a clean bill of health or something like that. Like just mm-hmm. ways that God is, is there for us, even yeah. small stuff. Um, and so thinking about five things we're thankful for and then just, um, recognizing that we so often hold on to the things that were given to us because we think, well, it's mine. That's like, it's like the child who doesn't want to share his toy, you know? Yeah. Like, no, it's mine. It was given to me. No. <laughs> um, uh, and so we, we sometimes, uh, on the weekend we'll, you know, like I said, hold up five fingers of representing things that we're grateful for. We'll close our fist as a way of just a physical posture of like, um, we don't want to turn loose all the time. Um, and then even just like the call that God places on our lives to be generous people, to be people who are giving above and beyond to who recognize the things that were given to us. Uh, yes, they bless us, but they're also for the community that you're in. Like you're supposed to take that and, and use it and, and make an investment, a kingdom investment with it. So uh, extending our hand out as just a physical sign of just reaching out to the people around us. So today I kind of took it a little bit differently in uh, trying to, trying to remember like, like God has done some pretty incredible things throughout history. Um, and that we are living this incredible thing right now. We're like, we're living in that, in this moment. Um, and then also just to call to our minds a little bit about how some different ways that we worship. Like I said, I was saying, uh, kind of tied it into our radical minimums today mm-hmm. uh, as a church where, um, you know, I said we, we worship through our, through our giving, like we're sacrificially giving. That's one of our radical minimums here. Sacrificially giving to our faith family and also our families at home. Uh, and so we worship the way that we give, the way that we tithe, the way that we uh, give of our finances is an act of worship. Um, and then I even called to our mind a little bit like um, one of our radical minimums being we are engaging in a drink meal uh, with a, a person, you know, we're engaging purposefully. And so I kind of talked about like how, how we live in community with people around us is an act of worship as well. Mm. Um, and then uh, just kind of moving through some of those things. And then even how we're asking God, like, what do you want to say to me today? Uh, and how, and what do you want me to do with what you say? Um, how am I going to respond to the things that you're saying to me? Uh, rather than asking God for a whole bunch of things, like we're just saying, I'm listening you know, and that in, in itself is an act of worship. So just kind of bringing those things to the forefront during our recentering time. So mm. that's one of my, it actually, it, it tends to be like this um, a logistical planning nightmare sometimes where because we don't <laughs> want the same person all the time doing the stuff. We want to empower other voices and, and perspective and all that stuff. Um, so it can be a little challenge to go, who's going to lead that? Who's going to do that part? Right. Um, but it is one of my favorite moments in our service when we get to, um, cast a little bit of vision to remind ourselves, uh, you know, as even as I'm saying it to the to the room, I'm going, oh, I need to be reminded of this, you know, like the way, how am I giving, you know, right, that kind of thing. So that's recentering a little bit. It's cool. The only thing I'll add, um, you said it really well. The only only thing I'll add that you didn't specifically address is even just from a purely pragmatic standpoint. I think I just got tired as a longtime church person of passing the plate or in our colonial uh, history, passing the plastic white bucket. (laughs) (laughs) And in part because um, so many of us don't write checks anymore or put cash in there anyway. So I'm I'm just thinking of, I remember talking about this years ago, I'm thinking of somebody who's come to church that's just checking it out, kicking the tires, and they see us passing the plate, which just screams, give me your money, which is Mm -hmm. not what our heart is. And then they see these days, they see the bucket or the plate go by and there's nothing in it. Or there's, you know, it's already gone by a hundred people's hands and there's two things in it. And it's like, what are we doing this for? Mm-hmm. So I just love, I love what it's evolved into, which is really just this extended time of check your heart, 
yeah. pray, um, write your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's connected to our giving, our act of giving and worship. But I just I love the pragmatic as we just threw the buckets away. I think somebody hid the buckets. Ask Pastor <laughs> Jordan, because I think he literally hid the buckets and has chosen to forget where he hid them in case somebody asks. Well, we, we I mean, we have had hidden for a while is, is even before the buckets, so... You know the the, uh, uh, the the plates that were prior to that with the felt the brass and, plates with uh-huh. the felt bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an yeah. old thing. Yeah. Well, it's good. I was I, that was going to be my that was going to be my follow up question as we talk about being generous people and and uh, and then this is kind of yeah. taken the place of where we've traditionally said it's time to pass the buckets. And yeah. Well, and it doesn't preclude yeah. anybody from well. And we're we since have, we're still sensitive to people who we still have, do still give. We have we wall have boxes, boxes and, yeah. on the walls. We yeah yeah. Of course, we, a lot of us give through the app or otherwise electronically. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I I don't I, I don't know what to do when I roll up into a place that's like we only accept cash. I'm like, what? I turn around. I, <laughs> I know. I, I, I don't can't, gotta go. I can't can't Branding hate. Iron Barbecue. I, yeah. The first two times I went there, I. Got, I went all the way through the line <laughs> with my food. It was like, oh, I can't. You pay only you. take cash. Okay, see you later. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I drove away. Here's your meat back. That's not our norm these days. No, no. I think they. I think they actually take check. Took I just, checks, and I didn't have a checkbook yeah, with me. Like, I don't know what to do with that. Like I right. don't. I don't carry cash anymore. Like, no. what's well, being asked? Uh, like, hey, can you go? Can you fax this to us? I'm like, no. no I, we've already addressed I that. That's, I can't do that. I can't fax <laughs> this. Like, this I, can't do it. You guys are I don't have yeah. any cash. I don't know how to do that. Well, yeah. All right. So um, we are moving along in our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, and slowly, this, slowly, <laughs> we're we, still in chapter we, five. We've we've covered what twenty verses now. Yes. Have we're we going to go it? a little faster moving yeah. forward in case people are wondering. He takes some big chunks. Yeah. yeah. Well. You're not so far. No, taking big chunks, the small is, chunks. Yes. It's okay. It's we, good. So we, today we did the introduction, and before that we intro. <laughs> we did the introduction to the introduction, and before that we started at the end. So, I love it. What do you know? Now here we are, verse one. So uh, so today we um, we talked about the as, as Jesus starts talking about the law and the Old Testament, um, and and how we refer back to that. So can you give us? Um, Maybe maybe a brief overview. I've got a, I've got a question coming up, and and um, just uh, some have some conversation about what was going on. Yeah, I th- I think it it meant something different to the original listeners because he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to his people who grew up, all of them, including Jesus, grew up Jewish, grew up going to the synagogue, grew up being influenced by religious leaders of their day, and he he just says some radical things. He says. Uh, okay, I, don't don't misunderstand me. Don't think I'm saying throw out all the all the ancient Hebrew texts we've been studying since we were kids. I'm actually here to complete those. I'm actually here to make sense of those. But I do want to drop this hammer. Uh, these people that we've been listening to, that you've been listening to, that you look up to, uh, they're doing it wrong. They're saying it wrong. They're representing it wrong. And I'm here to I'm here to clear the air. This this is why he got killed in the end. Um, granted, he did that on purpose too. <laughs> but it's why it's why there was this uprising against him uh, was because he called out the establishment. He called out religion and said, "Nope, that's not. You're missing it. You're missing it." So that that's what he does. The, the scholars that I'm reading uh, that are studying the Sermon on the Mount and helping me understand it. These verses we looked at today are are the introduction to his hard teachings. He's mm. like, I'm about to drop multiple bombs, and I'm going to reframe how you see what goodness looks like, what the life I created you for looks like. Okay, before I do that, don't misunderstand me. Uh, I'm not throwing out the Old Testament. I'm not throwing out what we call the Old Testament, the 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 old laws of Moses and the writings of the prophets. I'm here to I'm here to fulfill them. I'm here to accomplish them. Um, so that's, that's what we looked at a little bit today. I, I could see a lot of engagement in our crowd today. Uh, I'm not saying it was the best teaching I've ever done, but I think it strikes a nerve because I think a lot of us Christians are like, yeah, what do I do with the old Testament? Like, Mm -hmm. don't eat that food. And, you know, I mean, it talks about menstrual cycles and sacrifices and all kinds of, you know, uniquely weird, specific, you know, rituals and 
and laws and clearly some things that we are not following today and, and not even talking about. Uh, and it's because it's the old ceremonial laws, the old, uh, it's the old stuff that doesn't apply to us as new covenant believers. So it's just, I, I, I trust that really connected with a lot of people today. Like, yeah, I don't, I mean, I like reading some good stories about David and Goliath and Samson and, but otherwise what, what's the old Testament for, Mm. you know? So it's really helpful to me even to re-examine that and go, oh, I can't throw it all out. Well, so side question real quick. Um, how much of those, you said 39 books in the Old Testament, how much of that would have, uh, would Jesus have had mm. uh, access to or or knowledge of, would have been all 39 books? Is there a, a, a I mean, you talk about the, the law of great... Moses, and we know the law of Moses as like the first five. Right, the Pentateuch, But then there's, yeah. then there's you know, there's the, 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 you know, all the kinds of the different, the, the history books and the literary books. That's and... a great question. Um, first of all, I'm going to say this with... Not 100% confidence. <laughs> you weren't there, but but I did just happen. I, I will say this on a side note, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this information so you can put it in our show notes too. Okay. There's a podcast that I have really been enjoying um, lately, and I've been listening to it specifically, even in my uh, list, uh, studying the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the Bema Discipleship Podcast. Yeah, you mm-hmm. have to spell that. What B E M A? Yeah. You listen to that, Tanner? Uh-huh. Isn't that good stuff? It's, my, it's one of my favorite podcasts. Oh, it's so good. So uh, hopefully we can we can uh, turn our listeners onto that resource as well. It's it's uniquely helpful perspective from a Jewish standpoint. Mm-hmm. Cool. So um, so for example, when I'm listening to the words of Jesus talk about the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets, what did he mean? Well, these guys, it's a couple of guys, Marty Solomon and I can't remember the other I guy that he's with, but they're just, they're Messianic Jews. Mm-hmm. They, they love Jesus passionately. They believe he is the Messiah, but they have this rich understanding of the, of the heritage and the history of Judaism. And so they just happened to inform me, that's where I can help hopefully answer your question, that um, the Old Testament, as we know it, really hadn't been canonized yet. Right. So uh, can't tell you exactly what among what we know of the 39 books of the Old Testament uh, Jesus meant when he said the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets. We do know he meant the first, the Torah. Right. That's what they called the first five books of the Bible. The, the Which Greek. they probably would have known. Everybody knew that. Very well. And at the very least, that's what he was talking about. But right. then the writings of the prophets, you know, there was all these, the Psalms and the words of Isaiah and Jeremiah, they, they had all that, they were privy to that. Mm-hmm. The, the to cut to the chase, I'm not sure exactly what that entailed, uh, a little bit less than what we would know of the 39 books. Maybe there's some other parts of it that were that were included. Um, obviously, Jesus knew it all. He was God in the flesh. But as far as his listeners, the people growing up under the under the leadership of there was also the rabbinical law. The scribes had added a bunch of stuff, right. like hundreds of rules that are nowhere in what we call the Old Testament, that they just kept adding, and don't do this. And, and oh, by the way, another thing that you're not supposed to do on the Sabbath is this. Oh, by the way, another thing that's work that you shouldn't do on the Sabbath is this. And they just kept adding all these rules. So Jesus, I'm sure, was even including everything you you think you know. Um, I came I came to accomplish this, to fulfill it, not to, not to just throw it away. That's a great question, though. That's a really good question. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. But if nothing else, it if nothing else is it a good question? It it I meant to say it last week is I have really enjoyed like like for example, for this particular passage, I listened to I think it was a 37-minute podcast and all they did was talk about these four verses. Mm. It was really really good. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, so as as and and this is another complete speculation question, but um as as Jesus is growing and maturing, we get the you know, we get the the story of him being born and all that, and then he's at the temple, and I'm about my father's business, and mom and dad can't find him. And then when he was twelve, I think, that's right? What they speculate, and we about. and we get this little this little brief, and then he grew in wisdom and stature with with God and man, right? Uh-huh. And then it's like, hey, here's 
here's uh, 30. here's ministry, right? It's like, <laughs> whoa, okay. Would 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 this have been something that he would have? Um, I mean, because we talk about like he's God, right? He, yeah. he he's God in the flesh. Um, I guess my my question of this of this situation is like, is this things that he physically went and learned? Does he sit and he's learning under the uh, under the teaching of mm. some rabbi at the temple, and he's he's learning all of these scriptures and things, or is he using his God side part and his God brain and saying, <laughs> Brooke, well, yeah, but I already know all those things. Dude, I'm asking your speculation. You're, you're on not... <laughs> fire. You're just asking fantastic questions. I I do not pro- I do not pretend to be an expert on that. I I I, I think it's safe to say uh, that because he didn't go down that road and become a Pharisee. He didn't go down that road and become, you know, a religious leader in a formal sense. Um, just as I mentioned today in the the teaching, you know, he, he just didn't go to the customary schools. He didn't have that that same pathway of becoming a teacher. He he worked under his dad as a carpenter, as far as we know. Um, and so I don't know that he he was called rabbi in that sense. Uh, which because that means teacher, teacher, right? Um, but I don't know enough. I'm, I'm probably. But that would have been by that was by his followers, though, right? By no. his followers, yes. And and when he went and said to these young men, "Hey, come follow me," that was a very. I've learned that's a very common phrase for an actual rabbi to say to some young men that he wanted to take under their wing, under his wing. So they knew what that meant. They didn't go be like, "What? Where are we going?" They were like. <laughs> Okay. For real? Like you're picking me? Hmm. I'm I'm one of your draft picks. So but I I don't know that we know what road he took other than just his natural gravitas as the son of God to be called rabbi. I don't think we have any evidence of him going down those formal training. Now having said that, what did all young boys, all of them, even the ones that ended up being fishermen, learn? They learned the Torah. Mhm. They they memorized the ancient text in ways we think Awanas or whatever does it well. Oh my goodness! Like even even clueless Peter James John fishermen, they knew that Torah really well. They may not have been A or B students. That's why they weren't picked to be <laughs> rabbis. They were picked to be fishermen. You know, but we do know that Jesus and every especially young boy was totally indoctrinated. You know, in the in the best sense of Judaism. I should stop talking though because it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. I asked it for speculation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I get it. Yeah. It doesn't say it in there. It does make me want to learn more of that. Like even that that's another reason why that beam of podcast is so fascinating to me. It's not just another couple of Christian pastors talking or somebody else I heard from seminary or some other books I have. It's messianic Jews giving me a very uniquely different uh, understanding of the scripture and the culture. Um really helpful stuff. Well, you you, you um, uh, let's see if I can remember exactly how you asked it, but uh, you, you you were talking about the perspective of the um, of the Pharisees and the, the the religious leaders that they are they're sitting there thinking, okay, well, is Jesus trying to get rid of all this? And then to put it into our perspective, like, are we talking about like none of the past matters? Like, we're just forgetting the past? Like, I, I, that was I thought that was um. That was interesting perspective to just think about, you know, as we talk about like from as as United States history, you know, we think about all of the things in our history that it's like, man, well, you said uh, you said it's just it's just disrespectful to just throw it out and right. to think about Jesus coming Which, from isn't that perspective. That, I, I I said that on purpose. Isn't that a common theme today? Is is the fight in our polarized culture between forgetting? What's one side's arguing we're forgetting everything, including all the good stuff, and the other side's you know saying you know we should we should remember all this stuff, including the bad stuff. And I think let's let's make this back to what Jesus is talking about. It's it's be teachable. Mm. It's isn't that the call on us as students of Scripture, students of Jesus? Be teachable. Be open to something new God wants to teach you. Be open to having something old and known reframed. It doesn't mean we're, you know, walking around loosey-goosey. It doesn't mean we're not cherishing the great stuff from our past. Um, it's just be teachable. It's a posture of humility and, 
and listening. And uh, I think that's what, that's, that's what I love. Anybody who hears Jesus say, yeah, throw it all out, throw it all out. That's, you missed it. That's some bad stuff. They're, they're, we're New Testament Christians. You know, we're, Old Testament has no bearing on my life. Um, it's just a misunderstanding, and it's a little bit obstinate to say that. The other extreme is to say we've got to obey all these Old Testament laws, and we've got to cross every T and dot every I like the Old Testament ancient Hebrew text demands of us is completely misunderstanding the new covenant and the work that Jesus did to satisfy those things. And so it's a both and. It's appreciate and understand our roots. Our Messiah, Christian, 2021, Wichita Falls, Texas, our Messiah was Jewish. (laughs) Like, we just forget that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, he changed our understanding from Judaism of who God is and what he wants for the world. And so... Um, I hope that's helpful. That's really, that I, I, it's so humbling to say this out loud as a 51 year old, you know, somewhat seasoned pastor, like just studying this again this week and getting ready to teach these simple truths. I'm like, ah, I need to read more of the old Testament. I need to spend some more time teaching from the old Testament and helping connect the dots, how this points ahead to Jesus. Cause I'm so content. Uh, just like I, intro today's message. I'm so content to spend my time in the four gospels. I'm so content to read the book of Acts and the story of the early church. I'm so content to dip in and out of some of Paul's letters and wrestle with what it means to live out my faith today. And I'm less interested in Jeremiah and Isaiah and first and second Kings. And I, I need to go back and really listen and hear what the Lord wants to say to me I think I think my my trust in him grows, my understanding of Jesus will grow. Um so it's humbling to say that as a pastor, you know. I man, I need to I'm only I'm only reading parts of the Bible. Yeah. There's some real benefit. There's you know these Bible reading plans that I know we as a church before I ever got here, I know that uh Jim before me had us do some read the Bible in a year plans mm-hmm. and um I know other other churches have experienced the same thing, and we can do that on our own, obviously, anytime. But there's some real merit to that because it it takes us to places we wouldn't normally go on our own. Mm. Yeah. Well, so I got a we got a question in um, that uh, that somebody sent in, and I want to give it a little bit of a little bit of context and not just dive straight into it. But uh, so you talked about that uh, that Jesus came to accomplish the law, but not to abolish it. And then, um, but then also reminding us, so, so we don't have to, don't forget them. It's not, it's not just throw it all out um, or, or you'll never enter the kingdom. And, and we've also talked about how this uh, Sermon on the Mount teaching is confusing and difficult and uh, lots of uh, you said bombs that are dropped in into the the ways that we are we think and all this. So the question comes in and says, so in Matthew twenty or Matthew five twenty, um, it's which which uh, I'm going to read nineteen and twenty. So nineteen is uh, so if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then in 20, it says, But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. So the question says, does this verse mean that if your righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, that you will not go to heaven? What exactly does exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees mean? What about the verses that teach faith in Jesus uh, gives everlasting life and is the way to heaven? Like John three sixteen, uh, so are are those things in 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 conflict with each other? Can can I just as a not a a studied uh, person on this before you jump in? I just don't want you to. <laughs> I, yeah. Anyway, go. Um, the way that I interpret that, which could be wrong, so that's why I wanted to say this before Lauren. You kind of answer that question. The way I, when it says in there, um, and le- but I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than that, to me, better 
in that context is not a exceeds as in like their righteousness has gotten this far and you need to go even further. It's a different, like unless your righteousness is founded and grounded on something different than where they have found their quote righteousness. Because like I truer. think he came to call out that there, there's, there's, there, like, there's just not any real righteousness with what's going on in some of that stuff. So it's a, it's a, it's a shift. It's not a, you need to be better than the Pharisees in the mindset of exceed their level, like get better, get higher than they are. It's more of, there's a different type of righteousness that I've come to bring. And I want to warn you as you step into obey the law, obey God's law and, and all these things carry with you a sense of true righteousness found only in the father as you obey these laws, as you live them out, as you teach them. So to those, to so others. a true right, a true righteousness versus versus a, a false, a, a superficial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way I interpret that. But it could, be, I don't know. It could be. I think you are wrong. Thanks. <laughs> um, and yet, I said I did that on purpose, kind of for fun. And yet, totally right. Oof. Because first of all, uh, if we look at the English Standard Version, which is probably probably I would argue the most accurate modern day word for word translation. Mm-hmm. It literally says, uh, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. Oof. The NIV, which a lot of us are familiar with, says, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So on one hand, Jesus comes out and says, Yeah, you see how righteous they are? You need to be more righteous than them. But I would argue you're totally right because he's talking about two very different. He's talking about true righteousness versus just fake, just completely not real righteousness. Um, he's grabbing their attention. Shocker! What what do good teachers do? They just they say something that you're like, whoa, what? Like you lean in. You you maybe your friend is talking to you and you're like, shut up, shut up. What was that? Like like <laughs> rewind. You know like. That's what a great teacher does. And Jesus literally says, okay, these people you look up to the most religiously, unless you're better than them, you can't hand, you're not in. And so he grabs their attention, but then this is where you're totally right. This is what really matters, Tanner. Okay. Is good. he's saying <laughs> he's saying they're not righteous. Right. He said they're focused totally on what's visible on the outward. Um and it's not deep into their behavior. It's not, Jesus so clearly was, he just had no interest in external conformity. Just had no, no interest, almost like bah humbug to external conformity on trying to look like everybody else, trying to do the right things. He knows that it's really about the heart. Over and over again, he teaches that. Over and over again, we're going to see that in the Sermon on the Mount. He takes, he takes okay, you think you know what murder is, let me take it to a heart level. It's when you get ticked. That's, that's, that's what it is on the heart level. Not that you took the knife and actually stabbed him or took the gun and pulled the trigger. It's, it's, it's the heart level of you just got annoyed and ticked off at someone. That's what I think murder looks like. And it's like, whoa. He takes it to the heart level. Um, it's, it's this internal focus. I, I was reading this. I'm not going to take credit for this. This is one of my other favorite writer Sky Jatani, and he says this. He says, very often in religious communities, we are content with adherence to external expectations of conduct and give little attention to the inward posture of the heart. Mm. As long as a person appears devout, uses the right words, and participates in the right religious activities, we don't look much deeper. They're given a pass on their anger, greed, jealousy, bitterness, lust, or bigotry. Such a person might be acceptable in church today, but Jesus said they are unfit for God's kingdom. Mic drop. Like wow. this is he, so on one hand, he is saying you, you got to be better than them. But then he's saying, but it's actually not that hard because these guys are scumbags. These guys, mm. <laughs> these guys are not getting it. They're so focused on the external. I'm calling you deeper. I'm calling you to heart change. So it does not violate John 3.16. John 3.16 and all these other passages in the New Testament that talk about faith alone in Christ is what gets us into heaven. Yeah, he's talking about a heart-level openness and surrender 
to God and allowing him to become king. And that's the only thing that gets us into heaven. It's not, man, if you clean up your act and you start going to church a lot and you read your Bible a lot and you act like you've got it together and look like one of these Pharisee guys, then you're in. Nope. It's way, way deeper than that. So I'm glad the person asked that question. I got, I got that question from you, Brooke, after the first service. Mm-hmm. I tried to address it a little bit, like in my closing prayer, which is a little bit helpful, I think. And maybe we'll go with that being our recorded teaching for the week is the second <laughs> second one that I think I did a little bit better. But it does it grieves me if after all that, if after thirty minutes of talking through that and reading that passage, that somebody goes, "Wait a second, so I got to be better than the Pharisees?" And I'm like, "Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> we, I wasn't very clear, was I? You got to be different. Yeah, you got to be different than the Pharisees. It's heart stuff. Mm. I hope that's helpful." Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think what both of you guys are saying, I think it's. Um, I'd, I'd like to think that's that's uh, right on right on the money there. Um, when you you've talked a couple of times, actually several times, you've used the phrase uh, the, the the his gracious rule, the gracious rule of of God. Um, I think I, I'd like to hear you kind of unpack that a little bit. Um, you. You've used it several times, and I think in my head when I think about a, the, the rule of somebody, mm. you know, we're all we always feel like it's like the, that's the oppression. You know, mm. we've we, we we grew up in America, right? It's the United States, and we we have we've cast that off, and we're not we're King, not cool with that. King George, we right. don't want any part of that. That's and right. so we're um, we're all about the liberty and the freedom and and all of that. Right. But this is what's calling us into the gracious rule of God. And so mm. I was uh, wondering if you could unpack that a little bit. Um, mm. as as a phrase that you use rather consistently, and I don't know that we've ever yeah, kind no, of unpacked it at all. No, that's good. I, I think it brings us to one of the more difficult topics of anything Jesus ever talked about, which he talked about all the time, which is the kingdom of God, uh, especially for us who grew up in, have grown up in America, and we're, you just, you just kind of joked about it. We, we, our, our history begins as a country with, you know, revolting against the tyrant mm-hmm. king. And even even not maybe a tyrant mm-hmm. king, but the the guy who's he's across the ocean. And why do we have to do what he says? And why can't we do what we want to do? And that, that's the start of our great country. And we are at the very least not familiar with monarchy. And you know, watch what was it Prince Andrew and uh, the interview with Oprah, and we're just like, this is so crazy. This is mm. like Cinderella, you know? It's just foreign. And yet, Jesus, God in the flesh, speaks in kingdom language. And so we do have to entertain, what does that mean? What does it mean to be part of the kingdom of God? And it certainly doesn't mean an earthly kingdom. We know that. Uh, probably one of the most helpful definitions is Dallas Willard talks about the kingdom of God is where what's done uh how does he say it what god wants done is done the kingdom of god exists whether it's in the heart and mind of a person or in a particular place or time or environment or in a people group the kingdom of god exists god reigns where what god wants done is done and to your point brooke i think we think of that in a lot of ways negatively uh this thump you know, thumb mm-hmm. on us, this rule of a king. And I think that's, that's the reason for that, putting those words together, the gracious rule of God. It's a reminder, he is not the thumb on us king. He is the benevolent king. He is the grace-filled, loving king. He is the generous king. And we can read that in so many different ways throughout Scripture. Uh, and so to say when we step under, when we come under the gracious rule of God, it's talking about two things. It's talking about submitting to the authority of the king, the rule of the king, but it's also right alongside that saying, and he's really good. He's mm-hmm. really good. He wants your good more than you do. He wants my good more than I do. Uh, so it's, it's those two things together. It's not just making him king. Mm. It's recognizing he is a <clears throat> gracious king. When I love, I love just like the, the picture that you said, like the rule of God exists wherever the, what God wants happens, mm. you know. Yeah. And even the grace, like to think about grace as like you know, um, not the freedom to do whatever we want, but rather the freedom to live in who we were created to be. Yes. 
which that in itself is, if you just take like, we have been extended the gracious rule of God, you're like, oh, God as the creator, we as the created ones, it's not actually against what what our soul desires to come under a gracious rule of a God like this, because mm. he created us and he knows exactly what we were intended to be. Yeah. And so the, this grace, this freedom aspect is to become that person, mm. which ends up liberating us from the, the things that we have placed upon ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that picture, man. That's really, yeah. that's really, really good. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> as you, I was going to pull up our, message notes on our app here because um I love I love kind of you said you said um Jesus came so like you you talked about like the old testament being like the culmination like culminates with you know Jesus mm-hmm. right like it's it's all pointing towards this thing and then you said in there Jesus came uh uh, to give forgiveness to us miserable law-breaking rebels against God, mm. uh, and then also to make us His people who delight in the law of God and long to live like Christ and to be like Him in every aspect. I I, I want to ask this kind of question as a personal question for you: How have you seen Jesus came do all these things for forgiveness to us miserable law-breaking rebels? How have you seen, like on a deeper level, not like, well, I'll just quit doing this one thing. Uh, how have you seen, um, how have you seen yourself, mainly, maybe even more to that second thing, to make us his people who delight in the law of God and long to live like Christ and be like him in every respect? How have you seen that show up in your life personally? Mm. Um, maybe even recently, like this desire to, li- to, to like delight in, in his laws and to, live like him in every respect. Mm. Okay, first a funny comment, because you're <laughs> reading from the notes that uh, I quoted Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, who's been really helpful to me with his books about Sermon on the Mount. Oh, Marty. But I, I actually cut that from my message today. You just got so... You were, found so much joy in reading the notes. I was reading the notes today, yeah. Yes, that uh, <laughs> Brooke's over here laughing, because I'm like, hey, I don't, I'm, for time's sake, I'm cutting that out. But... That's some good stuff. I think you're asking me, Tanner, I think, how have I experienced on a deeper level God convicting me of, of, of the, the, the fullness, the freedom that comes in obedience? Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. I, I think when we hear, like, the light and the law of God yeah. or live like Christ yes. and to be like him in every respect. That that tends to be so like I don't know what that would even look like. You know, so almost like what's a realistic way of looking at this I don't know if this is going to remotely answer your question but this is where my brain goes and this this is I think one of the most demonstrative ways I can share how God's changed my life. Um is I grew up boy this is this is confession time. I grew up uh, learning very early on how to tell people what they want to hear. I grew up in a very strict home, conservative, church-going home, where the forbidden fruit list was clear. Mm. Uh, The don't do this or do do this list was clear. And so I learned, especially in my adolescence, middle school and high school, to flip the switch and so my language around my friends at school and on the football team and all that stuff was one way. And my language with my family and my church friends and all that stuff was completely different. And the things I wanted to do with my time, the music I listened to, the, the things I'd want to do with my friends were very different depending on especially what adults were in the room. And I think I just... I learned to do that early on to the point that when I finally came to know Christ at 20 and gave my life to him and committed myself to following him, my baby steps those first few years still included a lot of lying, Mm. still included a lot of telling people what they wanted to hear. First few years of my marriage, I told my wife what she wanted to hear. 
uh, I told my employer what he wanted to hear. I told other adults in my life what they wanted to hear, knowing there was this disconnect inside me. But it was easy, I was good at it, and it was self-preserving in the moment. Hmm. Uh, I was still finishing school, and I would skip class and tell my wife and my employer, which, by the way, was a church, that I went to class. Because they'd say, how was class? I'd be like, it was good. You got a lot of homework? Nope. Like, and it was just easy. It was easy, and I got to do what I wanted to do. And the Holy Spirit, because he convicts us of sin, and he doesn't let us just sit still Mm -mm. in what the dark, uh, not only did he make that increasingly difficult for me, but he also brought some of that stuff into the light, and I had to pay the price for my wife having her trust broken with me. Um, and that was probably as big as it gets. And then my, you know, there's some friends finding out, oh, he's not, he didn't, he's not doing what he said he was doing. To the point where I think to answer your question, I'd say mid-20s, maybe, maybe getting into my late 20s, I really came to a place of fully accepting, oh, to be obedient to God in the area of truth uh, is freedom. Oh, when Jesus said, I am the truth and I will set you free, he actually meant it, and it's actually really true. And I can trust that his scripture means what it says it means. Um, and life will actually be better if mm-hmm. I do. And so I can even, I could go on and on, but I, in those first few years of marriage, I had some hard things I did with Carrie where I would just admit some things instead of hiding them, which meant I disappointed her, which meant that maybe even in the moment she got mad at me and it was still better because mm-hmm. then we talked about it and we worked through it. And I walked around light as a feather. And I wasn't trying to cover my tracks, and I wasn't exhausted by the deceit, and I wasn't feeling guilty and shame-filled, and I was like, oh, God's growing me up. And, and so I, I think that that was in my 20s. I'm 51 now. Unfortunately, in this life, that is one of my biggest temptations. One of my biggest temptations probably till the day I die is I'm really good at figuring out, you know what, I think in the moment, would be the most um, commended thing I could do or say, or the least painful thing I could avoid. Um, But maturity looks like fighting through that. Maturity looks like continuing to surrender to the Lord and trusting that truth is what sets us free and that being authentic and real, even if that lets somebody down, is more important because God wants us to be our vulnerable real selves. So I don't know if that's anywhere close to where you were going, but to me, that's an example of choosing to trust in his truth and his, his authority and at my own risk and finding out, oh, he is a gracious king. Oh, his ways are better. Mm. Uh, even though on the surface it didn't make sense. It just seems makes a lot more sense to just preserve yourself. <laughs> yeah. So. No, that's great. That's where I was going. And uh, We're not recording any I'm of glad this, right? That, <clears throat> yeah, none of it. <laughs> I'm glad that I could uh, ask you a question based on something you didn't even say in the weekend. So. <laughs> I love looking over Brooke and he's smiling. I'm like, but this is going, I mean, this is going out to our there. people, so, you know. I know. Yeah, well... Um, that's that's all I got. Uh, that's all I got today, <laughs> guys. How about you? Love it. Anything else? No. Did I just ramble that long that you're cutting us off? Already? I mean, it, no. it was like wow, wow. It was so good that yeah, uh, yeah. As yeah, Jordan yeah, was yeah, yeah, as yeah. as Jordan would say, that's that's good. That's, that's good. Mm. I should, write, should that write, that write that down. Write that down. Should write that down. I, or, I will. I will say. Let's finish with the way we started, <laughs> Brooke. We are uh, we are definitely in your corner, your family's corner, your four little little beautiful kids corner and uh i hope you guys i hope you guys feel some love and some support from your church family that maybe dare i say it in ways you haven't felt in a long time between the pandemic and um just the 
busyness of your wife with the kids around her ankles, you know, in this season. Um, I don't know. I just hope that's one of the good things that comes out of this struggle you guys are having with, yeah. with Kara Kay's cancer and God willing lack of it soon. It's funny because I, you know, as much as I love the attention and being the one that we're talking about, sure, you know, yeah. in all of this, that's because that's that's me, right? Yeah, totally. I feel like you're <laughs> trying to get me to emotionally respond here. And can I can I change the subject to one other thing then? <laughs> hey, um, I appreciate it. I hundred percent do. I, I really do. I'm <laughs> not going to cry right now. So all right, but I do appreciate it. Well, I, we'll, I will we'll poke your something. I'll save that for later. I will change the subject <laughs> and tell you there's a uh, there's a 94 year old gentleman. That a lot of our church people don't know, named Alt- Alton Carter. Yeah. Uh, that I know both of you guys know. And when I got here three years ago, so he was 91, he would sit on a chair in the front lobby of our church. Right. Kind of over to the side in that little, little TV. We, yeah. we, used to call, we used to call it an usher's closet. <laughs> yeah. Now it's a little security closet. And he would be there uh, every Sunday. And he never came into the auditorium. I think maybe because the music was a little too loud, or maybe just probably uh, may have been that. It may have been a mobility <laughs> issue. But but Alton Carter uh, was one of our founding members of Colonial. So thirty two years ago, in uh, thirty almost thirty three years ago, in nineteen eighty eight, uh, he was part of a group that met for the first time in the Lund Colonial Funeral Home. Mm-hmm. That's where we get our name. People ask us, when are you going to change your name from Colonial, given given some cultural issues going on? I'm like, ah, it's a good question, but it's tied to our history for sure. Colonial Funeral Home down the street was where our church started, and, and Alton was one of those guys, praying and excited about what God was doing to start a new church. And so do the math. He was in his early 60s wow, and probably one of the more mature voices in the room at that time. And here he is, 94 Still kicking, still loving Jesus, uh, a widower, and uh, I bring that all up because he is in the hospital right now and uh, probably going to be moved off to Sherman, where some family is soon. And several of our people the last few days, Mm -hmm. week or two, have visited him, and um, I'm going to be one of several that's going to visit him. Uh, If I don't get a chance to do this afternoon, I'm going to do it tomorrow morning. and I just, I guess I share that in some part to celebrate the life of Alton Carter and the in, impact he's had on our 32-year history as a church. But also, if you guys would just, all you listeners would pray for him and pray for his family just to enjoy this time they have and um, and just bless him richly. He's a, he's a good man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I know you've been around nine years. Nine years. Do, do you have any memories of, of when he was a little more active? And Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Alton, um, um, he, he did sit in that front, that front lobby. Um, even back then? Even back then. <laughs> I'd walk around and walk around the front. I mean, he would do, I mean, he was right there in the middle of the thick of it with our, our, our greeters and uh, ushers and all that Love at it. that time. Um, but. He'd always come by, and he would make sure to tell me when he didn't like the music, and he made sure to tell me when he loved the music. Wait, wait, seriously, you have people who tell you they don't care yeah, know, for some right? of the music? I love it. Like, he, look, I'll say this. I'll say this. He has been one of the most honest, uh, honest men because he just didn't hold back, and so I love um, it. I love I, my it. respect for him is great. And, um, yeah, he he care he cares cares deeply about um, how people respond uh, to what's happening at our church. Right. That's and well so, and does. so that's the, that's the heart of everything that he did. Everything, every conversation we ever had was yep. caring for our people. That's all it was about. Yep. So he blew me away when I first got here and just looked me in the eye and said, I've been praying for you. Yep. And I know, I mean, he obviously it wasn't because he knew me. No, it's because he loves our people. Yep. Like he prayed for a new pastor without a name because he cares about colonial people and about people coming to know Jesus, about people growing up in their faith. Yep. Yeah. He's a good man. God bless him. Yeah. God bless Alton Carter. Pray for him. Well, all right. We'll wrap it up here. We'll pause the conversation. We'll come back next week. So uh, thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for uh, loving on my family and for, for praying for Kara Kay and uh, I appreciate that. And um, 
Yeah, so if you have any questions, you think of something uh, this week, hit us up. We'll continue with the Sermon on the Mount uh, next week as well, I assume, Lauren, right? Absolutely. I'm not going not gonna, to you know, take a turn from the intro? No, that'd just be the ultimate teaser. We would just do the intro, <laughs> and then that's it. So hey, it's, it's, Start with the end. It's what it was about. Go do the intro, and <laughs> then else. all of a sudden we're in Revelation. Something okay. else. <laughs> So yeah, uh, if you've got a question, you can email us, podcast at colonialchurch.com. You can also get on the app, and you can submit a question there, and we would love that, all those things. So uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll wrap that up with episode 21, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church. For more information about Colonial, please visit colonialchurch.com or download our app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can send us your thoughts, your feedback, and questions to our email, podcast at colonialchurch.com. And please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll pick up the conversation again next week.